You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. We hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen you in faith and that it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. I want to do a little recap from last week when we did this. Uh, for those of you who are visiting with us, I want you to understand this is the first time in three and a half, nearly four years we've been pastoring here, Miss Ann and I, that I have ever done a series or talked at all, much at all about tithes and offerings, my very first time. It's not really in my wheel, wheelhouse to do this. But the leadership here and my Wednesday night church service, they asked me to do it. So you get to benefit from it. Amen. You get to benefit from this, this teaching on tithes and offerings. Amen. Now, I don't want you to be stubborn. I want you to, be, I want you to listen. Open your heart to hear what I'm saying. Because I never talk about cursing anybody. If you, never, if you never tithe and never give another dime in your life, God will not curse you. You are blessed because God has blessed you with Jesus' blood. Amen. I don't believe in that cursing stuff. That's the Old Testament. has nothing to do with you and me. Christ became a curse for us so we might receive the blessing. Amen. But now listen to me. Part of receiving the blessing is hooking up by faith to do it God's way. He wants to bless you, but he can't bless you more than, than you, you participate got quiet all of a sudden. They were shouting over the no curse. <laughs> he wants to bless you, but you have to participate with that blessing. And tithing is part of the way you do that. Amen. Amen. I said I don't want you to be stubborn about it because I thought of a story I heard years ago about an old Amish farmer had a stubborn mule. He pulled on that mule said, come mule, come. The mule wouldn't move. He pulled, he's leaning on the rope, pulled and pulled and pulled and pulled until the mule finally just sat down. <laughs> Amish farmer tucks that rope and drops it, walks over to the mule, says, Mule, thou knowest that I cannot curse thee because I am Amish. <laughs> and thou knowest that I cannot beat thee because I am Amish. Mule, what thou knowest not is I can sell thee to a Baptist. <laughs> It's kind of bad, isn't it? <laughs> I wanted to say I could still leave to Dylan, but I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> Remember last week. Let's go to Genesis 28, verse 22. So you don't want me to you to the Baptist, so I want you to stay hooked up here. Hear what we got to say. Genesis 28:22, And this stone, this, this was from last week, which I have set for a pillar, Jacob said, shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, 
I will surely give the tenth unto thee. Last week we said that Jacob made a vow. God met with him and he made the vow after God blessed him. His, father, his grandfather Abraham did the same thing with Melchizedek. Remember that? He did, not, he did not get blessed because he tithed. He tithed because he was blessed. Right. Having said this about Jacob, who made this vow, he said, I made this vow to give thee a, a tenth of everything I have. All that I shall gain, all that thou givest me, I'll give a tenth to thee. I want to recap the story now from Genesis 31, 30 and 31. But if you want to take your Bible and turn to Genesis 31, 4. Genesis 31, 4. I've got to tell you this story before we get to this part. Jacob was looking for a wife. And his mom and dad didn't want him to marry the heathen girls, what they considered to be the, the, the Canaanites. They were heathens, but they were the worst kind. So they sent him back across the desert. Actually, he traveled the Fertile Crescent up north through up the Jordan River and down the Mesopotamia River, I mean the uh, Euphrates River, over to Mesopotamia. Long trip. Went over there, found a beautiful girl. Her name was Rachel. He was in love with Rachel. Jacob grabbed her and kissed her, says. Impulsive boy he was. <laughs> grabbed her and kissed her. He wanted Rachel. And Laban saw, Laban was Rachel's dad. Really, he was a... Uh, Jacob's uncle, he happened upon them. He didn't know where they were, but he happened upon them, really. He got there, so started dealing with his uncle. He said, I want this girl for my, my wife. And he said, okay, I'll let you have her, but you're going to work seven years for me to pay for her. Wow. Guys, you thought dating was hard these days. <laughs> seven years you had to, he had to work for her. And he did. Now, at the end of the seven years, he said, give me my wife. She had a, a sister that was older than her and not quite as good looking. Said she had cow's eyes. I don't know what that means. But they, they, didn't, they didn't mean it as a compliment. Something about look, look, made her face look, look like a cow. <laughs> and, 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 and he goes to they have the big party, you know, and what they do is they drink too much wine. And it's really dark. There's no outside lights. He goes into the tent. And Laban sneaked the wrong girl in there on him. He wakes up in the morning thinking he has had a wonderful night of passion with the most beautiful girl in the world. And when he opens his eyes and looks over there, he goes, ah! <laughs> what are you doing in my bed? She said, I've been here all night, sweetheart. <laughs> no! He woke up with the wrong girl. The ugly girl. 
cows. Now, I don't know about you, but a redneck in, from southern Oklahoma is going to kill somebody that day. Yeah. Somebody's going to get killed. Laban by name. But Jacob didn't do that. Jacob did not kill him. He went to him and said, what do I got to do? Why have you done this to me? You changed my wages. Laban said, well, it's our custom. You got you to take this. You got to take this girl and I'll give you the other one if you work another, work another seven years. Another seven, 14 years to get the girl I wanted. So he did. At the end of that, he said, all right, pay me now. I'm ready to go. So Laban said, all right. This is where we pick up right here with verse, 30, verse 4 of Genesis 31. Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to, to, the, to the field unto his flock and said unto his wives, I see your father's countenance that it is not toward me as before, but the God of my father hath been with me. Verse 6. And ye know that with all my power I have served your father, the jerk. And your father hath deceived me and changed my wages ten times. But God suffered him not to hurt me. Verse 8. If he said thus, the speckled shall be thy wages, the speckled cattle, that is. Then all the cattle bear speckled. If he said thus, the, the ring straight shall be thy hire, then bear all the cattle ring straight. Thus God hath taken away the cattle of your father and given them to me. Verse 10. And it came to pass at the time that the cattle conceived, that I lifted up mine eyes and saw in a dream, and behold, the rams which leaped upon the cattle were ring straight, speckled and grizzled. And the angel of God spake unto me in a dream, saying, Jacob. And I said, Here am I. And he said, Lift up thine eyes now, and see all the rams which leap upon the cattle are ring straight, speckled, and grizzled. For I have seen all that Laban doeth unto thee. Now listen to this. Listen to what God says right here. I am the God of Bethel, where thou anointest the pillar and where thou vowest a vow unto me. Now rise, get thee out of this land and return unto the land of thy kindred. He said, I am the God of Bethel, where you vowed that vow. That's why I've been taking care of you. Rather than the midst of a guy who's been cheating you, changing your wages, taking advantage of you, treating you rotten, I've been blessing you because of that vow. I'm still that same God of Bethel. That vow, what was his vow? Give 10%. It was not a law. It was not a law. It came from a man's heart full of faith. I want to encourage you today. Don't prove God. Don't test God. Do what, do what Sarah did in chapter 11 of Hebrews. It said she judged God. She judged God faithful. When you tithe, believing God's going to do what He said He would do, you're judging Him faithful. You can judge God. 
you can judge him faithful. Come on, say, I judge God faithful. Amen. That's a little recap from last week. I also remember from last week, Melchizedek. Remember how, what we said about Melchizedek? He brought out bread and wine, the, the articles of our covenant with Jesus, the body and blood, the bread and wine, our communion that Dylan leads us in every month. Our communion is bread and wine, right? The first time bread and wine are mentioned together is in Genesis 14 when Melchizedek came out with bread and wine. He's an, it's an indication that he's making covenant with Abraham. And, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, verse 18 of Genesis 14. Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was a priest of the Most High God. Amen. Verse 19, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he gave him tithes of all. Wow. The blessing came first, and then came the, the tithe. And the law is right the opposite. You cannot be blessed unless you tithe. Here you get you tithe because you are blessed. Amen. The New, the New Testament started in the book of Genesis. For newcomers here, we always say here, Genesis is not in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is considered to be the law. That came in Exodus. Genesis is for us. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. Take your Bible and turn to Hebrews chapter 8. You'll see Jesus, our high priest after the order of Melchizedek. 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 Amen. Verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 8 says, Now of the things, who wants to read for me today? Read it for me, Casey, Pastor Casey. Right here's the microphone by Miss Ann. Hebrews 8, 1. Start reading. Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Shout out his name. Who, who is this talking about? Jesus. Come on. Jesus. Jesus. All right. A minister of the sanctuary and of the, old, of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. Talking about the one in heaven. Verse 3. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore, it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. Notice what it says. Gifts, plural. Sacrifices, plural. Skip down to verse 6. But, but, now, but now hath he or obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established upon better promises. Amen. My question to you is, what gifts is Jesus offering? Not his blood. That was done once. Once and for all. He offered one gift to, to, to save all mankind. But he still has he still has gifts to offer. Yes. What gifts is he offering? 
He offered his blood once and for all. It was once and for all done. Your sins are not trying to be forgiven today. That was settled 2,000 years ago. Glory to God. Settled 2,000 years ago. And your faith activated that toward you. Let's look at verse 7, uh, Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 7. I did it backwards. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 6. <laughs> Hebrews 7, 6, read. But he, but he's whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that he had, pro he this, had the promises. Let's talk about Melchizedek again. I read verse 8. And here men that die receive tithes, but there is receiveth them, but there he receiveth them of whom it is witnessed that he liveth. Oh, here on earth, men that die receive tithes. Melchizedek died. But there he receives them of whom it is witnessed that he lives. There is no witness that Melchizedek lives. Who's this talking about? Does Jesus, does Jesus receive tithes? Yeah. Only from those who give them. Yeah. <laughs> Only from those who give them. Yeah. Is this New Testament or not? Yes. Jesus receives tithes. For what? To mediate for you an offering to God. Yeah. This is the gifts and offerings He makes to God for you. Here's why. Look at the Macedonian church, Philippians, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 15. I'm going through this pretty fast today, but I've got a lot to do. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Now listen to me. He said the part of Macedonia, he's talking about the northern part of Greece where Philippi was. Philippi and Thessalonica were up in the northern part of Greece called Macedonia. The southern part of Greece is called Achaia. And you see that all through the New Testament, the reason they didn't talk about Greece is because the Rome wanted to, Greece obliterated off the map. They just took the Greece, the Greek Empire, and used the, the province names, the provincial names. And that's why they talk about Macedonia. And uh, they were like if, if, if the United States was overrun by Russia, they might still call this Oklahoma, but they would not call it the United States. You understand? Okay. Or verse 16. For even in Thessalonica you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Yeah, this, this church is helping Paul in the ministry. Get the gospel out. Verse 17. Not that I seek the gift, but, that the, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Now listen, this is the whole point of me teaching you about tithing. I am tired of God's people being broke. I'm so tired of God's people having financial problems. Amen. This is a way out for you. Amen. If Paul's words mean any, anything, these are the words of God. I don't desire you to pay me, although I'll take it if you give it to me. 
I desire that you get fruit to your account by your giving. Verse 18. 18. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from your Epaphroditus. 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 The things sent to you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Now, now, this is awesome. There it is again. It's an acceptable sacrifice. He's saying that Jesus offered this up when you, you gave it to Paul. He said when you gave it to me, Jesus received that as an offering to sacrifice before the Father for you. Amen. That's awesome. Verse 19. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. There's your fruit. <laughs> Listen to me. Listen to me. It did not say that God would supply your need on the basis of what you need. Did it? No. Did not say that. He's going to supply your need on the basis of how rich he is. According to how rich God is. My, my grandkids think I'm rich because I have big bowls of candy at every place they visit. They come to see me. I pour the candy out. I don't ask them. I don't tell them how much they can have. They say I need candy to pop, pop off. They, Max just walks in and says, chocolate. <laughs> Puts it in, in his order right away, you know. And I pour the chocolate out on the cabinet. He looks at me, reaches up there and gets out, and he looks for me to say how many he can have. I say, you're at Papa's house, you get what you want. So he gets two handfuls, two handfuls completely. I want him to know that his need is being supplied, not on the basis of what he needs, but my ability to supply. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Amen. God is able to supply your needs over and above anything you ask or think. He will supply your needs if you're involved in the giving part. See, the blessing... I got to think, what, what, what would God call a need then? He's going to supply our needs according to His riches and glory. I got to thinking about my grandfather, Rains, my, my mother's dad, who is in heaven now, I believe. And I don't know what kind of job he has up there, but I know what he liked to do on the farm. When he re retired from farming, he turned it over to my uncle, and he became the road maintenance guy on the farm. Large farm over in Love County. Had roads all through it, had oil wells on it, and gas wells on the place, and had roads everywhere. My grandfather liked keeping the roads up. He even bought him a little old road maintainer, you know, that little long thing with a blade under it. Had one of those he made that maintained the roads. He just loved doing that. I can imagine they put him over, over a crew in heaven doing that. That's what he loved to do. I can imagine him going down the celestial streets and finding a pothole. <laughs> hey, hey, there's a pothole here. And my, my, my grandfather was known to be frugal. He, you could hear him walking from a mile away. He squeaked when he walked. He was so tired. 
frugal man. He did not get rich by being loose with his money. <laughs> I see him in heaven. He comes upon this pothole. He stops and says, Hey, boys, we've got a problem here. We can't have potholes in heaven. Imagine, just imagine with him for a minute. God has a need. God has a need to fill this pothole. My grandfather's going to put cement in that. He thinks that's the best thing you can do for a road is put pour with concrete. He calls down to the mine, hey boys, I need, I need some, I need some, uh, some uh, call down to the concrete plant. I need some concrete up here in a hurry. Yeah, yeah, get it up here quick. I got a hole in one of the celestial streets. You sure concrete? Yeah, I want concrete, boys. I want the best we can get. Hangs up the phone. He gets a little text from, from the man upstairs. <laughs> Concrete won't do, Wadey. Oh, yeah, Lord, I'm sorry. I shouldn't mix concrete with, with precious metal. All right, I'll take care of it, boss. Hey, boys. Call down to the silver, silver mine. Hey, boys. We've got a pothole here. Yeah, scratch the concrete order. Send me up a, a, uh, some melted silver. silver. We're going to put this silver in this pothole. And fix the street. Silver's better than gold because it's you know it's harder. Okay, hangs up the phone. Thinks, all right, man. Now we're in business. Here's another text. Beep. Silver won't do, Wadey. Lord, are you kidding me? You know, in in that farm in Thackerville, I had a budget. Had to be careful because I had to watch how I met my needs. Yeah. Had to be careful how I met my needs. One time he built a brand new house. Built a brand new house. Did not want to pay, pay a bricklayer. He said anybody can lay bricks. And he did. He laid his own bricks on the front of his house and went like this. <laughs> not a straight line anywhere. <laughs> it was awful. Because he was always on a budget. Brand new house. Always on a budget. I can imagine God saying, Wadey, uh, my needs are only met with gold. Yes. Pure, unadulterated gold. Because God, if he has a need, his need has to be met with abundance. And that's how he said he's going to meet your need. Not according to what you need, but according to his riches yes. in glory. Yes. How rich is God? Amen. According to his riches in glory, listen, listen to me, by Christ Jesus. That does not mean that Jesus is going to jump up and run down here and hand you stuff. <laughs> He's not a delivery boy. He's the king. God is going to do this on the basis of what Jesus already yes. did at Calvary. Yes. He paid for your prosperity when he paid for your sins. Thank Amen. You, By Christ Jesus. Now God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. By Christ Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. Somebody say amen. That's yeah. awesome. Now let's look at Galatians chapter 6. Galatians. Galatians. Chapter 6, 
You getting anything out of this today? We're going to find out what sowing to the Spirit is. Now, you on Wednesday night already know this because we just did, did, we just finished Galatians. But not everybody here was there on Wednesday night. Not everybody here was there on Wednesday night. Not everybody here was there on Wednesday night. So we're going to find out what sowing to the Spirit is. Galatians 6, 6. Let him that is taught in the Word. Communi- read it, Casey. Let him who is taught the Word share in all good things with him who teaches. What does that mean? What does it mean? It means pay the preacher, that gimmick. I just had to say it one time, sweetheart. I'm sorry. <laughs> Verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. All right. Listen to me. He puts this in the context of giving to those who teach you the word. Sowing and reaping in the context of you giving to those who teach you the word. Verse 8. For he who sows to his flesh will out of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows of the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. What has he just said sowing to the Spirit is? Giving to those who teach you the Word of God. That's what sowing to the Spirit is. I like verse 9 too. Casey, read that one. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. I remember them telling me, one time I was in a field of peanuts. In a field of peanuts. Anybody know what peanuts are? <laughs> Love County used to be full of them. They put me in a field and they said, John, you get to have a drink of water at the end of every row. I said, oh, that's going to be good. You get to have a drink of water at the end of every row. Put me out there and looked up. The row was a mile long. Oh. I had to hoe a whole mile before I could get a drink of water. I thought I was going to die. Yeah. And, uh, but it said, be not weary. It's real easy to get weary when you're farming. Because... Spring is good. It's an anticipation when you put that seed in the ground. A lot of joy, a lot of joy going on in the springtime. And fall is good because the harvest is coming in. It's that middle piece where you get weary. It's that middle piece. After you gave, after you sowed, and between the time you sow and the time you reap. He said, it shall not cease to be seed time and harvest. I kind of wish it wasn't said like that because it sounds like this. Seed, time, and harvest. you got to wait. you got to be patient and not faint when you're giving. You give, nothing happens. Give some more. Nothing happens. You give some more. The Bible promises you shall reap. You shall reap. Tell two people. Tell two people you shall reap.
I want to talk, talk, start into this today. I won't be able to, to finish this part today. But I want to talk to you about fish and finances. In the Bible, fish are an indication of our dominance of planet Earth and our well-being financially. Matthew 17, 24. Matthew 17, 24 says, says, When they had come to Capernaum, those who received the temple tax came to Peter and said, Does your teacher not pay the temple tax? He said, Yes. And when he had come into the house, Jesus anticipated him, saying, What do you think, Simon? From whom, the, from whom do the kings of the earth take customs or taxes, from their sons or from strangers? Peter said to him, From strangers. Jesus said to him, Then the sons are free. Nevertheless, lest we offend them, go to the sea, cast a hook, and take the fish that comes up first. When you have opened its mouth, you will find a piece of money. Take that and give it to them for me and you. Wow. Wow. Fish and finances. You know why Jesus wouldn't give his ministry money for a tax? Because David on the battlefield and David fought Goliath. It said his family shall be free in Israel from taxation forever. Forever. Jesus just took, took, took hold of the promise that was his and took command of the fish and made a little fish go pick up a coin off the bottom of the, of the lake. For, for all time, coins at the bottom of lakes are public domain. It's anybody's money. Finders, keepers, losers, weepers. That money would belong to anybody that got it. Nobody could find it, but Jesus had a line on the fish. Made a little fish go pick up a coin and told Peter now to stick a hook in the water. First one that bites, that's the one that had money in his mouth. Look in his mouth, he'll have money in his mouth. How did Jesus do that? He took command of the fish and therefore took command of his finances. The first mention of dominance and dominion of man First thing God gave man dominion over was the fish of the sea. Look it up yourself. Genesis chapter 2. I gave him, gave, he gave us domination over the fish of the sea first. So I want to say to you, prosperity is God's plan for you. Number one, prosperity is God's plan for you. Look up Jesus' first miracle. It was a miracle making wine, right? John chapter 2. Nobody needed wine. They had all the wine they could stand. They said they were almost full of wine. They wanted a little bit more, ran out. So Jesus made wine. It's hard to understand how he would make his first miracle that, that miracle. 
and miracle nobody really needed. They, they did not need that. They were talking like me. <laughs> they didn't need that miracle. Jesus gave them that miracle anyway. Miracle, but just to keep the party going. God is not bound by your needs. He's only bound by faith. The last miracle is in John 21, verse 5. Look at this last miracle of Jesus. Last miracle of Jesus in John 21, starting with verse 5. Read it, Casey. You like, you like this. Then Jesus then, said unto them, read on. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast the net. Now they were not able to even draw it in because of the multitude of fish. They just had to, had to let, this, let the net stay in the water because they couldn't get it in the boat, okay? Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter had heard this, that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plugged, plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came into Wait a minute. The the, the King James says he was naked and put on his clothes and jumped into the water. <laughs> That's what it said happened. Read on. But the other disciples came in in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about 200 cubits. 200, Dragging 200, the 200 cubits is uh, 300 feet, about a football field length. Dragging the net with the fish. And as soon as they were come to the land, read on. They saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. Wait a minute. They toiled all night and caught no fish. And Jesus told them to drop the nets. And then they had a, fish, a net full of fish. But when they got to shore, Jesus already had fish. What was that about? He not only can make fish pick up corns, he can make fish jump in the fire. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Amen. Amen. Fish and bread there on verse 10. Read that. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net of, to the land full of large fish. 153. 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Wow. Jesus it, said It to is them, not God's will for you. So stop right there. Yeah. It is not God's will for you to lose the prosperity he gave you. His will is for you to be prosperous and stay prosperous your whole life. Amen. The net was not broken. God shall supply all your need according to how wealthy he is. Not according to what you need, but according to how rich he is. Let's turn to Genesis 1, 26 and let you see this. This is awesome stuff. Genesis 1, 26. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have 
dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air, over the cattle and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply. Multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea again and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. So I'm going to say this to you. Number two, you have dominion over your finances. You have dominion over your finances. They should not be ruling you. You should rule your finances. Unless you want to be like Washington. Not George. Washington, D.C. You're not in charge of the money. It's out of control. They spend way more than they make. In fact, governments never make money at all. They just print money. They never make money. They only print money. You have dominion over your finances not on the basis of your government, but on the basis of what God said. Look at Numbers 11. Numbers 11. 1. I'm not, I'm not teaching you out of the law. I'm just showing you something here that you need to see. Now when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. For the Lord heard it, and his anger was aroused. So the fire of the Lord burned them burned among them, and consumed some in the outskirts of the camp. Verse 2. Then the people cried out to Moses, and when Moses prayed to the Lord, the fire was quenched. So he called the name of the place Tabera, because the fire of the Lord had burned among them. Now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving, so that the children of Israel wept again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt. First thing he mentions fish. We remember the fish that we had in Egypt freely. The cucumbers we don't. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our whole being is dried up. There is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. Stop right there. Third thing I want to say to you about this is never go back under the law of bondage. Never go back to saying God's going to curse me. If you think about the law, it was a curse. It was not a blessing. Part of it was a blessing to to the Israelites. But mostly became a curse because they could not keep the law. Sickness came as a curse of the law. We said we already studied that in Deuteronomy 28, I think it was. Never go back under the law of bondage. You're gonna like this one. Look at Jonah. Jonah chapter two. Almost done for the night. Almost done today. So don't anybody leave. Got a baby baby dedication. Oh, that's awesome. I can't wait. 
Jonah chapter 2 and verse 10. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah on the dry land. Jonah had a fish swallow him. A fish took over him. How many of you have ever felt like your finances had swallowed you up? Trouble with your money. Two hands up back there. Jonah prayed a prayer. He made a vow. In the whale's belly, he made a vow to God. He said, I will give that, that I have vowed. And then he said something awesome. Salvation is of the Lord. Just before this verse. He didn't really say salvation is of the Lord. He said one word. It means salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is of Jehovah. That's what it means. But he just said one word. Yeshua. Yeshua. Who do you know that as? Jesus. And so as soon as he said Jesus, after he made his vow, and said Jesus, the word of the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited out Jonah on the dry land. That's good right there all day long. Get God involved with your vows, your decisions you make, and you will find that you get out of your, out of your financial trouble. The Word of God is your way out of financial trouble. It said, God spoke to the fish. Let my people go. Amen. There are things you can do to make yourself distasteful to the, to the enemy. One thing you can do to be distasteful to the enemy is uh, be consistent with your giving. Every fish that swallows you will have to throw you up. Everyone will have to throw you up. I used to hate to be called to the board when I was a kid. My teachers liked to, me to come to the board, and I was no good at math at all. I was a word guy. I won district championships in speech and poetic recitations, stuff like that, several times. Miss Ann, too. But I did not like math. Dallin's a math guy, I believe. I was not. So she always called me to the board in algebra. I learned how to go get out of it. I would take my chalk, put my fingernail right down by the, by the bottom of the chalk. And every time I, every time I ran my chalk down the, drove my teacher crazy. She said, stop that. I said, I don't want to be here. She said, sit down. Every time she called me up there, I put my fingernail down there and I went, rrr, rrr, stop that, sit down. <laughs> yeah, it drove her nuts too. It didn't bother me at all. You make yourself distasteful enough to, to the devil. He's like fingernails on a chalkboard with your consistency to pay your vows. I love you all very much. God bless you.